0: You're listening to episode 133 of the Well Women Podcast. Today on the show, I am joined by Crystal Ashley. Now, Crystal Ashley is a beautiful endometriosis warrior from Instagram. Whilst we're going through this episode, I strongly encourage you to go and check her out on the gram. You'll find her at her with endo. That's at her with endo. Now, Crystal's whole approach to endometriosis has nothing to do with business. She's not a coach. She's not a dietitian or a surgeon or any of those things. She's a beautiful mom of one. She's got a one-year-old son, and she also lives here locally to where I live on the Gold Coast in Australia. And Crystal has an online platform through Instagram where she uses that as a journal for herself to share her personal endo experiences. Now, as an endometriosis warrior, she has been working through the process of having endometriosis for a number of years now. And on this platform at Instagram, she shares her personal experiences along with her pain, what she does to support that, and I wanted to get her on the show because we've never had raw and real conversations about endometriosis, let alone there's never been a podcast dedicated to endometriosis anyway. So I couldn't have thought of a better person to invite along to the show. So in this episode with Crystal, we talk about what is endometriosis. She also mentions a little bit about how she experiences PMDD. So she tells us what that is. I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to listen to the episode for that. She shares about what that is in this episode. And then we talk about her diagnosis of endometriosis. And if you feel that you have endo or would like to learn more about your potential experiences, if you were to have endometriosis, how you can go about that through diagnosis. She also openly shares with us her surgery around endometriosis and is surgery for you how you can actually support yourself if you decide to have surgery to support endometriosis and how you can get the right surgery with the right people and the right doctors i love crystal's raw and openness around the topics of how she supports herself through endometriosis Also, her sex and endometriosis. Now, she's happily married, and she very openly explains and shares with us about what it's like to have sex with endometriosis. Now, Crystal experiences very challenging endometriosis, and so she guides us through that experiences and opens up with us about what it's like to have sex with very challenging endometriosis. She's had surgery a number of times, and she really opens up about different ways that you can have sex and how you can support yourself sexually whilst having endometriosis plus we talk about daily endo support and what it is that she's done and what's worked for her this is a really raw and real conversation about endometriosis so this is a bit of a trigger warning and heads up that we talk in depth about endometriosis and the experiences of endo this is a real and raw conversation about endometriosis with crystal ashley and i hope you love it as much as i did this episode is brought to you by the well women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other. Not to mention, it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to Wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's Wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. Crystal, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm truly looking forward to this episode because I've been wanting to have this chat on this episode, on this episode, on this podcast for a long time. And I think that it's a topic that affects a lot of menstruators, but it's quite unreally known what it really is. And there's a lot of confusion about it. So thank you so much for taking the time away from your one-year-old to do this
1: oh that's all right anytime
0: you're like i needed the break
1: <laughs> can here we do this crying. again <laughs> just just ignore the crying
0: <gasps> <Still gasps> oh, that's
1: all right i love there is, there is someone with him in case people think i've just like locked him in the room and be like
0: <laughs> cry your <all> lies out <laughs> <sighs> no there's definitely someone here your mom so thank you so much to your mom for making this happen right yes um all right well first question before we jump into it because i have so many questions i do want to ask First question of the podcast, tell us, what day of your menstrual cycle is it and how are you checking in today?
1: I'm day, I think I'm ovulating today. Okay. I'm around ovulation, but I just started the pill because I've gone really anemic from bleeding so heavy. So I'm like, I can't afford to get my hemoglobin any lower than it is. Mm -hmm. So I have a very love-hate relationship with the pill, like hate the side effects, love the managing of the, like anemia side
0: mm-hmm. of things
1: but mm-hmm. would prefer not to be on it but that's all right but yeah I'm doing okay doing okay Probably thank you so all- much for sharing oh no it's okay yeah it's getting there it's I find ovulation for me I suffer with PMDD mm-hmm. um, so ovulation's the best time for me and then after that it's just like anxiety emotions losing it over small things like I get really antsy and Just dread the period coming. So
0: Mm -hmm. now, I have a few questions about that. Before I before you share who you are, you mentioned about PMDD. Some people don't even know what that is. What is PMDD? So PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and
1: it is from my understanding of talking with psychiatrists who specialises in it, a sensitivity to the fluctuations in the hormones. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's like PMS but on steroids and it is very hard to manage because it's hard to stop your hormones fluctuating Mm. and even their first like baseline is go on the pill but even the synthetic hormones are sometimes too much for the body to handle and you can still get constant pmdd symptoms um and it impacts your life it really does like it's debilitating for women women and this is very much trigger warning, have tried to take their life going through this. Like there's little documentaries out there about it and you can just see the pain in these women's eyes and it feels like you've been injected with feelings you don't want to feel every single month and you
0: just have to make do with it. Mm. It's rough. (laughs) Wow. We could do a whole podcast episode on just PMDD. Honestly, it's
1: so misunderstood and so underfunded and anything women menstruating related is underfunded let's be honest
0: <laughs> yes it is um they're all topics that would like are so good to explore and educate and just open up about right especially this topic yeah. today talking about endo and endometriosis now one other thing you mentioned is you're on the the pill right and so that's yes. the contraceptive pill now we've talked a lot about the pill on the podcast and I'm sure there's going to be some people listening to this who are like, hang on, she just said she's on the pill, but she's ovulating. Can you explain that?
1: So I only just started the pill, so I'm still ovulated
0: because the there pill takes
1: about, I think it takes about three months for your body to adapt to it. Um, so I only just started it as I was like felt ovulation coming on and I track through the flow app as well. Like my period is so to the day and predictable, so And I know I can feel in my body when I'm ovulating. I can feel which side I'm going to ovulate from. And it is, like, so I've I've never been so in tune with my body. So that's where the hate comes in with the pillars because, I I lose all that in-tuneness. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to be that enigmic. I can't walk.
0: (laughs) So it's like I've got to choose less of two evils at the moment. Is it? It, it's very much about like a catch 22 in your health that yeah there's and I always say this Crystal, there's no wrong or right decisions or choices it's just what's in alignment for you at that time yeah and let's just say in six months time you choose a different alignment and a choice and then six months after that you choose a different alignment and choice it's just serving you in the moment and you can never predict the future so you just don't know right um, yep. So, thank you so much for sharing because I was guaranteed some people like, hang on, but you can't ovulate when you're on the pill. Yeah. So, thank you for sharing that. And every contraceptive pill does work really, really differently. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, like I said, I'm excited to have you here and feel really blessed that you're spending this time with us. Tell us who is Crystal Ashley?
1: <laughs> She's a mess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you talking She's physically, goodness. mentally, or emotionally? Oh, girl, no, all
1: three. She needs <laughs> Jesus, honestly. Um, a very, I don't know, I'm still finding myself, if I'm being really honest with you, I'm going down, and I was talking to my husband about it last night. I'm covered in so many scars from surgery, and I was sitting there thinking, like, I constantly every day fight against this body that's fighting against me. Like, we're never in sync and flowing together because endometriosis will constantly fight and you got to fight against it with all your tools or everything you have in your box to get through it and I feel like and becoming a mum as well I've said to him like a month ago I don't even know who I am anymore and that's being like completely raw and honest is I actually don't know who I am so when you say who's Chris Lashley like I'm a mum I have endo apart from that I have no idea like I don't know I'm going through like just went through my huge laparoscopy because everything was stuck everywhere a couple weeks ago and it's like recovering from that I still don't know who I am Mm. and it's so weird being in a body where it everything that's happening is so unpredictable and you don't know who you are but having motherhood on top of that it's like I just feel like a walking feeding machine and a comforter and Finding my own body and trying not to die from a chronic illness. Like, that's what it just feels like. So,
0: mm.
1: in all honesty, I don't, maybe I'll spend six months who Crystal actually is because right now I have
0: no idea. And you did, like, you have said that you've got a one year old son, right? And yeah, yeah. I want to just honor you for sharing so transparently that you're like, this is where I am right now. And I think it's so beautiful to hear. And it's also very humbling like as a listener to hear you say that because birth and I'm yet to, you know, have a pregnancy with a birth. Yeah. And when it comes to birthing, it's a transformation of yourself, the mother, mm-hmm. like you are becoming a new person. It's kind yeah. of like the ultimate transformation of like the caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're just like, you're still in that caterpillar phase where you're like, okay, so this has happened. This is who I was before pregnancy And then I was pregnant, then I gave birth, and then I've been through this post fourth trimester, really. Um, Kimberly Johnson calls it that. So the fourth trimester. And now I'm kind of like out of that phase and I'm like in the management phase of having a one-year-old and managing my own life and my own self and my own well-being. And who am I again? So thank you for sharing that.
1: No, that's all right. It's so true. Like when your baby's born, you become this person you didn't know you were.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: no one tells you you're going to lose who you were as well. No one warns you about that, that you, the person you think you are and you feel your whole life up to be is gone. And it's a distant memory and it's so hard to comprehend. And a lot of mums, like, you know, as soon as that baby comes out, my husband said he just saw in me this switch clicked and I knew how to look after my son and knew how to be a mum. But, the day I gave birth is the day I lost who I was too because I'm no longer just crystal looking after me I'm a mum. I'm a care carer I'm a feeder I'm everything to this little being and it's beautiful but it's terrifying because you go from 20 something years of knowing kind of who you are to now you're like oh wow
0: I have no idea (laughs) (laughs) sorry who am I getting how do I do this how do I sleep (laughs) yeah exactly <laughs> how do i shower on my own is this is this something that yeah I really, yeah it's such a beautiful process and it's um it is really transformative like the entire like it's just another phase of the menstrual cycle and another trans like transformation that us as menstruators go through so yeah thank you for sharing um we're here today together talking about endometriosis yes And I know that this is a topic that you know a lot about and this is one of the reasons why I was so excited when you said yes to being on the show because we've never had an episode on this topic and it needs to be talked about. And I really wanted to give all of our listeners, yeah, you listening, just (laughs) such great insight into it from such a personal experience, you know, because it's one thing for me to talk about, but I've never had endo. So a lot of people don't even know what it is, Crystal. Like what is endometriosis? Man,
1: I cannot mess this up because I'd get so much backlash if I messed up the definition.
0: So it's when. Well, in your shoot. understanding, in your yeah. understanding through your experience of having yeah. endometriosis, what is endo? Well,
1: if you're to Google it, it will say something where it's lining similar to the endometrium lodged in places outside of the uterus so it's not the same as the endometrium it's just similar and a lot of people will say oh no it's the same but very much being clarified in the ano community that it's only similar um and from my understanding it attaches to your organs it can bleed when you bleed which leaves fluid and blood in the pelvis and the pouch douglas um it almost acts as like a glue in sticking everything together inside well this has been my personal case Mm -hmm. from just the laparoscopy I just had everything was stuck because of the endometrial deposits being stuck together it's a very debilitating illness and it's so bizarre that something so natural the menstruate like menstruation can have a disease around it like this that impacts your entire body and I think that's the biggest misconception people have it's like oh it's just a bad period it's like no this literally impacts every single part of people's lives this will decide whether the person's going to a party whether the person's going to do this whether the person's going to do that like this is not a bad period Mm. it never will just be a bad period it is debilitating it is life-changing it is a mental game it's a physical game it's so much more than just a period, which is what a lot of people, even people to this day when they ask, like, well, what have you got? And I send a it's like, oh, isn't that a painful period? And I'm like, do you know how much easier it would be if it was just a painful period? Like, yeah, I would take
0: that. That, that would be easy because it's, it's so much more than just that. Mm. Thank you for sharing because it, it really is a lot more and it's totally different to what most people kind of think endometriosis is. And I think it's a great opportunity to share that everyone's experience is different. Yes. It's the same as like sex, sex with a person is always going to be different, let alone with a different person yeah. is always going to be different or a different gender is going to be different. And so yeah. everyone's individual menstrual cycle experience is very unique to the person. Yes. Um, so that's just your experience, which is beautiful. So thank you for sharing. How did you find out that you had endometriosis?
1: oh so I got my period when I was 11 and then I was getting periods every two weeks and really sick from them and my mum's like this isn't normal so I went to a gyno who put me on the pill at 11 and he's like you just need to take this until you're ready to have kids so I took it for 11 years I was 21 I think and I was like I want to come off this like I've just had enough I want to see what my periods are like and that was the 14th of April, 2016. I remember it to stay Literally when people say like, oh, I woke up one day, my entire life changed. That's literally what happened to me. Like I woke up and I was in agony. Like I couldn't even move. I remember my husband jokingly being like, oh, babe, just have some yogurt. Like it will settle it down. And I'm like, yogurt isn't going to do shit right now, man. Like I, I don't need yogurt. <laughs> and I remember going to the hospital, the public hospital, and they were like it's your appendix I was like okay so they kept me in hospital for four days took out the appendix nothing got better and I went back to the same surgeon three months later at the hospital and I was like nothing's gotten better he's like yeah your pelvis is full of blood we really need to investigate what's going on because it wasn't your appendix the appendix was actually fine and I was like are you kidding me and this began like a journey of I need to get, figure out what's going with my body. Like my intuition was telling me there's something more going on. I saw over 31 specialists. Four of those were like top gynecologists on the Gold Coast. I saw anyone you could think of, psychiatrist, acupuncturist, chiropractors, gastroenterologist, urologist, everything you could think of. And not one of them could give me a diagnosis more so than just saying, oh, maybe it's just your anxiety. And I'm like, this isn't my anxiety. Like... I'm not well, and it. I got to a point where i would honestly given up at this point, and I was seeing this kooky naturopath that. Oh God, that that could be a podcast in itself. I tell <laughs> you, <laughs> she was nuts. She taught her advice was, I think you've got endo, but go lay out in the sun, and it will dry up and fall out your vagina. And I'm like, lady, that's not gonna happen. Like I don't okay. know what you're on, but that's not gonna happen. And I was scrolling my phone one night. I said to my husband, I'm like, pick a gyno, just just pick one. And he picked my gyno now. And I went to her office and I just started crying. And She's like, I think we have endo. And within three days, I was in theater with her in private, which we had to get loans out and everything because it's so expensive. I didn't have private health insurance. I didn't even know that's a thing. Mm. And she's like, you were riddled with endometriosis. So she's like, it is really bad. I'm severe stage three, almost four. And that's the day. And I still didn't, because it happened so quickly. And I had mm. all these people telling me, there's nothing wrong with you. When she said, you have endometriosis, I still didn't believe her. So she brings out the pathology and puts it in front of me and goes, endometriosis. And I'm like, I still don't believe it. I can't comprehend it. And it mm. took me years. It's been a, since that surgery in 2016, 2017, no, 2017, it's taken that long for me to go, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I've got endo. I've had five laparoscopies now, and every time I've had them, endo's back. So, yeah, I've, it's definitely endo, but it was a really long, long, long journey to get a diagnosis. And mm. that's with a lot of women and menstruating people is, It's never just straightforward. It's oh no, it's fine, that new period's meant to hurt. Like it's not. It's really not. And getting a diagnosis was something that mentally changed me forever and physically changed me forever.
0: Mm, And emotionally too. Oh gosh, the emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that one. (laughs) Um, thank you so much for sharing. It's, It's such a common story to hear in all different aspects of health you know if I think back to when I had leaky gut before I found out that I had PCOS is that you know that was me going around and seeing all these different people trying to work out like there was something wrong in my digestive system and it didn't make sense and I didn't know what was going on you know who can help me and why aren't they helping me and why do they know and you know this was god eight to ten years ago now and it just goes to show how many different people can experience this and to never give up like if your intuition is guiding you towards something trust that and keep following it you know yeah definitely um what kind of guidance would you give to someone who was in that situation or who is in this this situation that you were once in about feeling frustrated around getting support knowing what's really going on you know what would you say or recommend to them to do?
1: Don't give up. Like it is so hard to just not want to give up when you're trying to get a diagnosis. And there is a lot. Back then when I got diagnosis, got a diagnosis, I looked on an Instagram, and endometriosis only had 100,000 tags, and now it's well over a million. And there oh. are organisations in Australia now, in almost every state, that have websites of doctors who are recommended to perform endometriosis surgeries and there's helplines. There's so much information now to help people get a diagnosis and where to look and what doctors to go to. And there's even in Brisbane, a whole clinic dedicated to endometriosis and helping women. And that I wish I'd found that like in all those years ago, because now getting a diagnosis is a lot easier but still very difficult for a lot of people mm. especially in other countries such as America and that it's so almost taboo and so expensive over there to even get a laparoscopy done um but do your research ask people up uh, reach out to other endo sufferers who they've been with who they've had surgeries with because everyone's going to have a different specialist that they love but i would that's what i personally did i asked everybody and then i wrote them all down weighed them all up researched them looked at their credentials looked at how looked at what they are specialized in i chose mine based on the fact she specializes in endosurgery like that's her favorite thing to do Mm. and she does endosurgery every week um but there are a lot of gynos out there unfortunately who will do endosurgery who are not really meant to be doing it okay Use ablation, which ablation shouldn't be used. It should be excision surgery. Um, and a lot of girls go and they get ablation surgery done, but it just takes the top of the flower off. It doesn't get down to the roots and excise it. So then it just it comes straight back, and they're back in theatre again, like a year six months later, a year later, because it wasn't done properly. So a lot of gynos can perform surgery, but unless they're specialised into how to identify it, because it doesn't just look like one particular thing. I think it has five different appearances inside the abdominal and pelvic cavity, Um, and unless the gyno knows what they're looking for. So I definitely would recommend that people make sure that the surgeon and then gyno, they go to be qualified to do excision of endometriosis and not just ablation because i think i was saying just before that if you just burn the top off you're not taking the whole bit out and it can be embedded so deep into tissues into everywhere in the pelvic cavity and abdominal cavity that if it's not taken properly it's just going to keep being there and then people having this surgery and going why am i not better why is the pain not getting better And it's because it wasn't even taken out properly. And it's becoming a really big common trend spoken about in the endo community of people going through surgery and it being the biggest waste of time because laparoscopies with private health insurance can be up to $3,000 still like out of pocket up to 6,000, depending if you go with a really credible gyno and when they don't do a proper job, it is so frustrating because you
0: mm-hmm. want to
1: pay for the gold standard, and my child, love him. Um, you want to pay for the gold standard to only find out that they've just burnt it, and it's it's like no, you need to actually excise roots or everything needs to come out mm. for it to be cleared from
0: the abdomen cavity. It's like spending two thousand dollars on a new iphone and it not working yeah you want to i can like for me i'd be like can i get a refund on this like do you do exchanges because yeah um thank you for sharing because I, i guess that's a topic or an element of endometriosis that isn't very openly verbally spoken about yeah you know in the community especially online i'm sure there's a lot a lot of posts and like story discussions on instagram and and um and even instagram lives but really opening up that conversation and just ex- sharing your experience that's not very often heard about especially in terms of surgery because it can be a little bit not taboo necessarily but a little bit too personal for some people so thank you so much mm, and i think what a lot of people don't realize like you mentioned earlier that endo can appear in so many different areas and for those who have no idea like there's a lot of us who are listening to this who are new yeah. The endometrium lining is the lining that lines your uterus. And the the thing, the way I kind of like to describe that, it's kind of like a balloon and the balloon thickens when you have a baby and then the baby grows in that balloon. And sometimes you can see pictures of babies when they're born and they kind of look like they're in a balloon, like a really thin condom or something like that, right? And that's the endometrium lining. That's also the lining that we shred after, you know, we have ovulated and we don't conceive and that's what we menstruate. But endometriosis is different to that. It's kind of like a layer of tissue that can grow outside, you know, of the uterus. And that can be in the ovaries, the fallopian tubes. It can be in tissues around the uterus and even around the ovaries. So it can be in many different places, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So if someone is listening to this and they've just discovered that they have endometriosis and they think getting the surgery is the right thing for them, What would you suggest, Crystal, to to them if they're thinking about surgery? Like what are some tips that you would maybe suggest for them asking questions or um, places to look for support? Um, What would you suggest for anyone in that journey? Definitely go to a consultation
1: with questions. Every single time. I've, I've been with my gyno for four years now and I still go in with a list of questions. So go in and ask how much experience they have. Do they know how to identify all different forms of endometriosis? Do they do ablation still? Do they do excision? Go in loaded with questions, but not only that, like there's so many Facebook groups, especially in Australia, go in and post who's had surgery with so-and-so. And and you'll be so surprised how many people will actually reply to you and be like, yes, do it. No, I wouldn't recommend. They just did ablation. It did nothing for me. It could not cost me this much. And knowledge is power. And If you come to a decision with knowledge and knowing who you're going with, what they're good at, are they actually qualified to be doing this surgery, then you're able to make an informed decision that's going to be best for you. Mm. But I know from experience how desperate you can feel to get an answer that you'll just say yes to the first person. I know that. Like, I've been there. And it is so easy just to be like, yeah, you can just do it. Do the surgery. But wait that little bit longer to do the research and find the perfect person because if it's done right, hopefully you will not have a reoccurrence for five years if it is going to reoccur. I think the statistics were that I was reading. This is a couple of months ago, so things could have changed. But definitely do your research. Ask Ask the hard questions. And one thing I said recently on another podcast to somebody was, don't be nervous because you, the doctor's working for you. You're not working for them. The doctor, the no, everyone's working for you. You are in charge. You're employing them. You're paying them. You ask the questions that you want the answers to.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: yeah. have the power. And that's where my whole world changed was when I realised that. And was my psychologist to help me realise that. She's like, you realise they work for you, right? And I was like... Yeah, they do, of course they do. Yes, I was, How like, yeah no. they do. I was like, Now I'm gonna ask, and now I have very blunt conversations that need to be had, and I'll ask the hard questions. And even when I go to ED for like pain management, I, I had a nurse the other week who my incisions were literally open. This is probably two weeks ago, and she was trying to push me out of the ward to get another patient up because I was going home. And I said to her, you're making me very uncomfortable, like trying to push me out the door. I'm not leaving until I see my specialist. So if you have a problem with that, like go and get someone higher up. And I've never stood up for myself like that. And I was like, I'm so sick of these people. When they're working for us, we're paying them all of our money that we earn to look after us and do surgery and have aftercare with these nurses. But yet they still somehow put it back onto us, like we're the ones doing inconvenience to them it's like no I'm paying you my money you're going to answer my questions you're going to listen and you're going to give me the care that I'm paying for so I think that can be very empowering when people realize you're
0: in charge totally and you know that kind of makes this if you put it in I'm going to give you a bit of analogy around this just to kind of put it into scope of people who have not had endo or not had to have this in terms of a doctor or a medical professional is if you had just bought a beautiful block of land and you're like this is my dream block and I'm about to build my dream home and this is where my family gonna live and we're gonna be here for like 35 40 years is that when you go and hire a builder yeah you expect the builder to build the house that you want to build because you've hired the builder to do the building yeah, it's the same thing when you hire a surgeon to do the surgery, you want it to be the surgery that you want. Um, but I, I, I do feel that in all aspects of the medical, medical industry, a lot of people think that they don't really have a say, but you do. And I mm-hmm. love that you shared that so vulnerably because I just want to add into that that, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are doctors and doctors aren't bad. No, you know, doctors don't want the worst for you. And doctors, don't just want to put you on the pill. Not all doctors are like, some doctors are like that, but not all of them. Yeah. We, can't, we can't categorize them all. It's like us, autumn, like I'm a heterosexual, so it's like me saying all men are bad, fuck yeah. them all. Yeah, It's like uh, yeah. some aren't the best and some yeah. are really good, some yeah. are kind yeah. of in the middle. So with, um, with doctors, yeah, I love that guidance. So thank you so much for sharing because it's definitely something that I think a lot of women and menstruators would love to hear who have endo. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my Reset Your Cycle Masterclass Series. This is a three-part live class series to transform your menstrual cycle knowledge and increase cycle confidence. Throughout three live classes, you'll discover understanding your cycle hormones, what they are, how they change throughout the four phases of your monthly cycle, and how they contribute to how you feel. You'll also discover cycle disruptors and what you can do, those things that make you feel a little bit out of whack through your cycle off balance and impact your moods along with your hormones. And then we cover your cycle and natural contraception. Gain a better understanding of contraception, the good, the confusing, and how to choose a contraceptive method that serves you and your health goals. Head over to Wellsome.com forward slash shop to learn more. That's Wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20 off i would love to hear from you crystal like how do you support your endo like how do you what are some like what are your key things that you support your body and your endometriosis with because i know that you've mentioned that you've had surgery a few times
1: yeah.
0: um so tell me what, what what is it that you do in your daily life that supports you with your endo
1: oh man I don't have a set routine and a lot of people a lot of people do find routine helps I find that I could follow the same diet every day but get up one day and my body hates it I'm in bed riddled with pain like so I kind of just do what my body wants if that makes sense I'd listen and like if I want to sleep in and my baby's sleeping I'm going to sleep in if I want to get up and go out in the sun I'll get up and go out in the sun but I don't I take, I was on the bandwagon of like, and this is where I think a lot of people get confused. It's like, you can't have natural with prescription. Like they can't go together. Like you're either natural and healthy or you're prescription and under doctors, which is so bad. And it's like, no, I actually need both to get by in life. Otherwise I'm not going to survive. And my toolkit consists of pharmaceuticals. It consists of natural supplements. It consists of knowing what to eat and when to eat it and knowing when to rest. But at the same time, because endo is actually not visible. Like you can't see it like a broken leg. A lot of people, including myself, suffer with the idea of rest because you're like, I'm in pain, but I can't see it. Mm. So it's like being able to know when to rest is definitely something that helps you manage. But also working with a psychologist is helped you can help you manage. Like I have a psychologist, I have a psychiatrist everything because it impacts every part of my life and I wouldn't be able to get through a day if I didn't have all of them on board supporting me and helping me whether it be medication whether it be techniques supplements diet everything they help support me Mm. and how endo is affecting my body to get through and that's going to look very different for somebody else Everybody has different things. Some people love acupuncture, some love Cairo. Like everybody has different ways to manage their endo. Um, for me personally, it's at the moment pharmaceuticals because I've just had a major surgery three week, three or four weeks ago now. Mm. And that's a big part of managing my pain. Um, and I think I shared a post about it and because a young Person overdosed in the UK, I think it was not too long ago from trying to manage her pain. And it was an accidental overdose. She didn't intentionally do it, but she was just trying to manage her pain. And I was like, that's something that being vulnerable at the moment is every time I take pharmaceuticals, I'm terrified that I'm going to overdose. Like, what if I took too much? What if I didn't take enough? And it's this constant fear that you're stuck in of like, oh, am I, is that okay? Am I going to live? Like, I want to manage this pain. I want to be able to sleep, but like, am I going to take too much? Um, And it's very difficult to have a set, for me, a set thing to manage. Mm. So at the moment it's pharmaceuticals and natural supplements, lots of magnesium. Like I drink magnesium like it's going out of fashion Um, and zinc and everything, but that might not work for somebody else that might be like their worst thing they've ever tried. Um, So for me at the moment, I'm trying to establish life now post laparoscopy again. And every time I have a laparoscopy, my body goes into like a state of shock and it doesn't know what to do. And I get debilitating anxiety and it's the worst feeling in the world because it's just like what was meant to be a 45-minute surgery was two hours because of how bad it was. Mm. And... It's just like getting my – so my main focus, I guess, at the moment after all that long tangent is just to (laughs) get my body to be okay and calm down and manage the pain. And that looks so different to everyone. Like people like cold therapy. I like hot therapy. People like massage. I don't really like it that much. Like it's it's so different. But for me, pharmaceuticals, heat, and a good
0: therapist (laughs) – honestly. (laughs) I love your honesty, Crystal. I really do. Thank you. Because everyone's like, and this is a silly saying, but like one person's medicine can be someone else's poison. Yeah. And there's no wrong or rights. And I really strongly believe that there's three ways we can look after our health. There's what you can do for yourself. There's Mm -hmm. what you, what the doctor can do for you, including pharmaceuticals. And then there's a mixture of both. Yeah. and there's no wrong or rights with any of them it's just making that decision for yourself and being really transparent and clear that that is the decision that you like and that is what's really going to support you yeah because how you feel right now and you've had a few surgeries already so you would know that know how you feel right now will be different to how you feel in six months time or a year's yeah. time and you can't define how that will be because it's in the future yeah but I think One of the things that I definitely hear from clients who have had endometriosis, because I've worked with a number of clients with endo and PCOS and fibroids and infertility, and those have been IVF clinics, and especially as a natural fertility teacher, I find that a lot of women really discover that they have these cycle imbalances when they're wanting to enter that fertility journey or start that conception phase after coming off some kind of hormonal contraception is that it can be really frustrating because they just want to do all the things and they're still not feeling the way that they would like to feel. Yeah. And I think that comes back to what you mentioned about just focusing on the moment, like, okay, well, how do I feel today and how can I support myself today? Yeah. And that's actually one of the best arts of Ayurveda, Indian medicine, is moment-to-moment focus.
1: Yeah.
0: Which I absolutely love. So thank you for sharing that. Has there, when it comes to food, I find so many people like to know about like, so tell me how you eat. Like, is there a special diet that only you know about that nobody else knows about? Yeah. Um, and I'm a big believer as a menstrual cycle teacher and educator about living cyclically and having different ways that you like to eat throughout a cycle. Yeah. But specifically for endo, have you, is there any food changes or challenges that you've noticed? Like you're like, oh, I really noticed when I cut out dairy, or I really noticed when I introduced this food that, um, you know, that something's made an impact for you. I wish I could say yes. I think I've tried every single
1: diet you could ever imagine, except for carnivore. I can't bring myself to try a carnivore diet. Like <laughs> I could not get up and eat a steak for breakfast. Like I just couldn't do it. But I've tried every diet and that's something that is spoken about a lot in the endo community is the endo diet and it just says, like, cut out carbs, cut out sugar and that. I've literally cut all these things out for yonks and it did nothing. So I eat to whatever I feel like. So every single day is different. If I feel like a bowl of oats, like I love oats at the moment, so I'll have some oats or I'll have a berry smoothie with like half a tub of Greek yogurt because I love Greek yogurt. And nothing ever makes the endo worse, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I do have like, I think IBS. I'm pretty sure it's IBS. So like my gut will sometimes react differently depending on where I'm at with my cycle though. It's really odd. It's only where I'm at with my cycle
0: when my gut will be a bit funny. Have you you kind of noticed what time of your cycle that is?
1: Mainly leading up to the period. And then on the period, like I get the bowel symptoms on the period where you poop more and everything just goes through you
0: more. That's actually quite normal. Like so, there's a big difference for those who are listening. There's a big difference between common and normal. Like period pain is common. Yeah. Yeah. I find endometriosis and PCOS are becoming more common. infertility is also common but not normal none of these things are necessarily normal like people can't see me but in inverted brackets normal so when um that time of your cycle comes up so just pre-menstrual so the end of inner autumn the start of your bleed or through menstruation it is actually normal for you to have a little bit more poo and it's funny my partner and i um I love health you know and having had leaky gut I study my shit every day yeah. and I out of curiosity only two was it no two weeks ago I said to him it was just before I started my last bleed and I'm on day 12 of my cycle today so yeah about two weeks ago I was like what was your poo like today he's like good I was like but like what like what did it look like like what kind of shape was it and he's like look at me like what is your problem like this is too much. Oh, and he's like, do you want me to take a photo? I'm like, well, you could just show me before you flush." And I was joking. That was a joke. I do not want to see, it. But I was just out of interest. We'd been eating the same foods and the same meals, right? And I was like, yeah. I'm just out of interest. I wonder how much your poo looks different to my poo based on the same food. The only thing that's different is our digestive system. Yeah. And when it comes, like, then shortly after that, I started period poops. To get to the end of the freaking story, Gemma, is I ended up <laughs> literally being like, he asked me, did you have a good poo today? And I was like, yeah, actually I got period poos. He's like, what a period poos. I was like, well, it's because your body has prostaglandins and these prostaglandins are kind of like move muscle movement things. And they kind of move the muscles. This is my description to him. Um, You know, and they kind of like squish around your uterus to help you contract so that you're, uterus like your uterus lighting kind of releases for menstruation but because your bowel is like right there it does that to your bowel too and your bowel is like i'm in on this party and so it's so funny that um you know that you have that experience because it's actually quite common and normal and so some people can link that in with ibs and some people link bloating in with their menstruation when your uterus doubles in size if not sometimes more when you menstruate right so knowing these things are super important. And I'm, glad, I'm really glad that you mentioned that, you know, for you, your endo support at the moment is taking medication to help you manage pain,
1: yeah.
0: um, especially after surgery, specifically after that, and then also working with a therapist. Yes. Yeah. Because it just goes to show that it's so normal to work with a therapist. Oh and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. No. You know? When I found out I was pregnant,
1: I had an understanding of my PMDD and I was like, I'm in for the ride of my life right now with these hormones and these fluctuations. And the first thing I did was I went to my GP and I said, I need you to find me and send me to a pregnancy specialist psychiatrist because I'm going to need support. And a part of me was always a bit like, oh, my gosh, a psychiatrist. And I personally take antidepressants because it is proven to help with pain and boosting serotonin and stuff. And I need them to get by in life. And I went to the psychiatrist and she's like, why do you want to see me? And I'm like, because of my PMD, because I'm well aware of how bad I react to hormone fluctuations and I need your support. And honestly, it was the best decision I ever made Mm. getting the support of a psychiatrist, my psychologist, my doctor, and they all, it's an all-women team. I was like, yes. Um, but you've got to sometimes realise in life you can't know it all. And there's only stigma around mental health because people who don't understand it, put I think, feel put the stigma there. Like somebody who's never experienced anxiety is like, well, you'll be fine, just, like, stop being anxious. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's so easy. I'll just stop being anxious. And it's not as simple as just stop being anxious. Like if you need to talk about what you've been through and especially the chronic illness, it can seem like every single day is Groundhog Day and it's the same stuff and you get up and you try and you try and you try and nothing gets better and it just honestly, you're like, what is the point in this? All I do is literally do the same thing every day and nothing's getting better. Mm. And that's where psychologists, psychiatrists, everything key into helping you being able to move through that, to understand that, to understand what the brain's doing, to understand how pain affects the brain. And it blows my mind. Like I really came to learn about how pain affects the brain. It can change how the brain works. And they've done MRIs and everything to prove how pain changes the person's brain. And people will go from being perfectly fine to debilitated anxiety and needing medication to help because their brain has been changed by a like physical injury that's happened to the body, mm. um, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand: is your brain changes from being in chronic pain. It goes into fight; you're constantly in fight or flight because your body's like, "What is happening? What is happening? Like, we've got to get
0: rid of this," and it's like, you, know, you can't really get rid of it." <laughs> Wish you could. <laughs> it's not dead ends in my hair i can't just cut it off yeah um i love that you mentioned that because it is so important to understand the body's reaction to pain and everyone at some stage in their life has experienced some form of pain and that pain doesn't always have to be physical sometimes it's emotional pain yeah and that impacts, you know, your body's response and how you think of things and your perception on the world and your perception of how you really feel. Yeah, so I love that you've like opened. I'm I'm really loving these raw conversations about the <laughs> experience. So thank you. Um, it just goes to show that there is so much we can do for ourselves, but also the most important thing we can ever do for ourselves is just do what's in alignment. Yeah, um, I would love to ask a question. Um, around endo and sex, if that's okay. because oh, absolutely. I feel that there's a lot of what I hear and what I see is a lot of women have challenges who when they do have endo, they have challenges with one, their periods and challenge with relationships and sex or yes. their libido or, um, you know, their partner's understanding it or the pain with sex. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of women can experience pain in sex and maybe some bleeding from sex through yep. the pain when it's actually potentially endometriosis. Yes. So I'd love for you to share about your experience on sex with endo. Is there anything like is how does that work for you? Is there any experiences that you feel like you'd like to share that would benefit the listeners in helping them understand what having sex with endometriosis is like?
1: So sex, oh man, that thing. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. I love, I love talking about sex and I know a lot of people get very uncomfortable with it, but I love talking about it because when you're diagnosed with endo, sex becomes more than just a penis in the vagina. Like sex is so much more than that to me now. Um, for me personally, to give you an understanding of how my vagina works, I have a body response that my vagina has to the constant pain is I have a very, very hard pelvic floor. So, for instance, if I was to put a tampon in, my literal pelvic floor will push it out, like mm-hmm. literally will pulsate it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so every six weeks or so I go into an anesthetic and I get Botox put into all my muscles inside the vagina so that I am able to actually have my husband put his penis in there. Penetration. Yeah. Yeah, penetration. Um but it still hurts like a bitch. And I said to my guy, I was like, when you're, when I'm under, like, is my, is it relaxed? She's like, we put relaxant through your body and your pelvic floor muscles are so hard. And like, I've done pelvic floor PT, which it's like personal, like physical therapy, but for, for your vagina, yeah. like, yeah, they put a finger in there and they move the muscles around in there. And it's only awkward if you're going to be like, oh, yeah, like, it's it's no more awkward than getting a pap smear. Like you start to learn that there's muscles in there that have trauma that need stretching out and need to relax and need work. And there's devices, there's like, I have this thing called a ferro wand, which is like all curved and you can put it in and trigger point muscles. I the haven't. Outline. Yeah. And it, you can use dilators before sex. So you, warm the body up before sex. For me personally, I knew it was a serious problem when we were having sex and my husband saw my face and was like, why do you look so sad and pain?" I'm like, because this really hurts. I'm like, this, this is not fun. Like, I don't like this. And he's like, oh, I don't want to have sex with you anymore. And I'm like, no, that, that can't be the answer to this. Like, we have mm. to come up with a solution. And that's where I implemented Pelvic for Botox um I'm under a pain specialist who you I put valium in my vagina to calm it down before sex and one after sex to stop the pelvic floor spasms and on bad days I'll be I can't even have an orgasm so I'll be at the point of like climaxing and it is hurting so much but it feels good and it's like which one do you give into right <laughs> it's like so bad you're like Mm. i really want to finish but i can't because it hurts so much and then my whole body will go into a state of shock after sometimes i end up in hospital because of sex like Mm. that's crazy um but what i'm still learning i haven't got this figured out and this one is definitely hard for me to get figured out but what works for me is having a pain specialist who prescribes insertable valium for me so I can calm my muscles down or I take it orally to calm my body down because my body starts to interpret anything down there as pain Mm. and for instance the surgery I just had I had to have a catheter put in three times because my bladder stopped working and I put my foot down I said you need to give me sedation because if you keep doing things down there that hurt me anytime I go to have some sexual intercourse my body seizes up and interprets whatever's about to happen as pain. And now I've advocated for myself with that and it's something that's really changing the game. I'm getting these procedures done and things done down there, but it's always done with sedation so that my body can't really remember, like, oh, if something the goes muscle memory there, is turned off. Yeah. yeah. And that's been a big changer for me in being able to have sex without wanting to just cry. Like, Mm. and it is so much about communication. I can't even stress the word communication enough. Like, you need to tell your partner if it hurts. And you know what? If they're the right one, they're going to understand. They're going to be like, I understand. There's so many things out there to help with it. Like, there's a thing called the owner, which you can put over the shaft of the penis and it stops it being able to go all the way in. and to me, I was like, well, that's amazing. Like, I need 10 of those. And <laughs> it's just understanding, like, that now, now I understand my body in the sense I know that I don't get enjoyment from sex. I get enjoyment from other things. And mm. my husband gets enjoyment just from doing those other things as well. So it doesn't have to always be penetration.
0: I love that you mentioned that because that's something that I was going to bring up after you, you know, concluded speaking to that question around sex and endometriosis is that there is multiple ways to have sex yes and I educate about this around the menstrual cycle if you look at the whole month if you don't want to have sex on your period but your partner might want to have sex regardless of the gender on your like of how you identify is that you know there's oral sex there's touching sex there's sexual talking sex yeah there's sexting there's mutual masturbation, there's anal, like there are so many different forms of sex. And I think that we live in a world today specifically that's more open about these sexual kind of conversations. And I could not thank you enough for mentioning that it's about communication Yeah, and communicating how you feel and communicating what's important or what your experience is because that is... It's so enlightening for yourself, but also enlightening for the person you're having sex, sexual experiences with. Yeah, it definitely.
1: And, again, the mutual masturbation, like, this has been very raw. Like, it is still hot if you guys lay there and you are kissed and you cuddle, but then you do your own thing next to each other. Like, he knows his body. He knows how to make himself happy. I know my body. I know how to make myself happy. And that is still a beautiful sexual experience together. Mm -hmm. without penetration oh my
0: god yes sister
1: yeah it's still great Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like penetration at all and that's something that him and I both are so aligned on it doesn't have to be that it can be so much more it can be just cuddling naked and letting your parts touch each other but not have to be any more than that and that in itself is a sexual experience and it's Like you're connecting, you're loving. And I think being brought up, we were taught, oh, sex is penetration. Like that's what sex is. And it's like, no, it's so much more than that. It's like a beautiful connection that can be had
0: in so many different ways.
1: So many different ways.
0: I really love that you mentioned that and have brought that up. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, You know, for anyone who's like, oh, what's that dearmoring thing? Uh, I will pop a link into the show notes for this episode about, like a good de-armoring wands that you can use for that experience where you you know when Crystal was mentioning about you know I use this kind of s-shaped wand that's like glassy or crystal whatever you choose and you know I kind of poke around in the muscles and kind of release tension that can be really beautiful at one you reclaiming sensation and you reclaim and I'm not the sex coach right but it's it's all about Sometimes it's better for you to give yourself a self-massage when you've got a sore neck than to have someone else do it because you know where it's sore and you know how, you know, what pressure to apply. It's the same thing. Yeah. Even though you can't see the spot necessarily or the, the parts because they're internal, it's so empowering and there are so many great resources um, for dearming. So I'll pop some links in the show notes. Um, Crystal, I've absolutely loved this conversation, like the real endo conversations I might call this episode because... <laughs> They really are real chats about endometriosis. And so I'm very grateful. So thank you so much for taking the time. We are almost out of time, but I do have one final question. Yeah. Tell us, um, actually, before we go into the final question, is there anything else you would love to add um, as like a concluding note to those who might be listening who either think they have endometriosis or do have endometriosis? Like, what would you like to share with your community? Talk to a doctor. Go get the conversation started.
1: There's nothing... Nothing bad can come from going to the doctor and going, hey, I'm having pain when I'm having sex. Hey, I'm having pain when I'm not menstruating. My periods are really heavy. Is there some tests we could do? Could you refer me to a gyno? Mm. Start the conversation. Even if you start the conversation, if you're too scared to go to the doctor, start a conversation with your family members. and right then ideal. They can go with you. Like, it can be very intimidating going to a doctor's office. But if you start the conversation, you're like, okay, like, let's get the ball moving, then you're so one step great. closer to a diagnosis than you were if you feel like you just have to internalise it.
0: Hmm. S- that's great. Great. Really good, like, guidance. Thank you. If you're <laughs> listening to this and you are younger, like, you would still re- talk to your parents about something like this because you live with them or you're still at school or you're not, a, like, a, a societal adult yet. You haven't reached the peak age of 18 to 21, whatever it might be. Um, you know, to bridge that, say to your parents, "Hey, I'd like to talk to you about my body." Yeah. And then open up the conversation about how you feel. The more open and vulnerable you can be, the more open you are to releasing and letting go. That's also part of the healing journey. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Crystal. For people who would like to learn more about your own personal journey with endo and follow your journey and then learn from you uh, from your journey, how can they find you? What's the best platform?
1: Um, I only use Instagram, so it's her with endo. So I just use Instagram and I post just really vulnerably, I'd like to think, on there. Like I like to be really open and honest with how bad the bad days are, how good the good days are, and how just it affects every part of my life. And I guess in a way I post so that hopefully I wish I'd seen somebody's page like that when I was going through diagnosis. Mm. And I didn't even think to look. I was just like, "Oh no, that's fine. I'll just talk to my mum." And like that, my mum was in I knew I was going through, it and my husband. But having this platform now, the way I can share with other people who had stuff with endo, and even I have people's partners message me and go, "Thank you." Like I actually understand a bit now about what my wife is going through, and I'm like, "Oh wow, like that's amazing." <laughs> like I did it's not. It's so en- empowering didn't know that it could do that but yeah you get so many I get, and I can't keep up with the messages and that that in itself makes me feel really sad but we get so many thank you messages and everything in a day and questions and that's why I always try and post like informative and refer on to people who can help because I can't help everyone but it's yeah if people want to find me there that's great I post as vulnerably as I can and I share a lot
0: about my life on there I will pop a link to your Instagram um, in the show notes so that people can find you. But if you're wanting to go and find it right now, it's her with Endo over on Instagram and you do post very vulnerably. And I think that's what one thing that grows a great community is when people can see your vulnerability and then they can be vulnerable with you. I think like that's one of the most empowering things. So thank you for providing a platform like that because we need more platforms like this. So thank you. All right, final podcast questions before we, ugh, questions, there's like one question, Gemma. Before we wrap up, um, it's switching gears, right? So I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self, Crystal, like back when yeah. you got your first period. What are three things you wish you knew about your menstrual cycle then that you now know today?
1: One, it's not meant to hurt.
0: I really wish that.
1: Two, I don't need to be embarrassed about it. I don't need to be embarrassed at school. I'd bleed through everything and I'd be so self-conscious and get bullied and be like, that doesn't matter. Um, And three would probably be, it's such a beautiful thing. Mm. And it's the only budge that's shed not from violence or anything. It is such a beautiful thing, menstruating. And being able to have that experience even when it is painful and all of that, it's still, it's something empowering about it. I don't even know how, but like there's something empowering about menstruating and going through that every month and just knowing you and knowing your body and knowing your symptoms and that it's just powerful to know that about yourself. And every Mm. month that I've had a period being an adult, going through this now, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know when to get my period underwear out. I know when to do this. I know when to do that, and that's been mind and um, big mind change for me is knowing that it's a beautiful, powerful thing. It's not something to be ashamed of. And if you bleed through
0: your clothes, so what? Rocket. just rocket. it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I love that, rocket sister. There's three great tips that I know that I wish I had have learned when I started menstruating. So thank you so much for sharing. Not meant to hurt doesn't need to be anything you need to be embarrassed about and it's such a beautiful thing crystal thank you so much for joining us on the show thank you so much for having me i just fucking love your vulnerability (laughs) about everything and how transparent you are we definitely could do with more of that around these kind of conversations so thank you so much Um, i've loved having you on thank you thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the well women podcast I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects in themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too, hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at Wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.